0: Great question. I actually have a really good answer for you that I just realized. For many years, I was trying to, in my own way, change my wife to be the wife I had mocked up in my mind. Uh And she kind of had high expectations of the way she thought a husband should be.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: I had a big major change in 2020 when I got some spiritual counseling. I had a major change And that change was, wow, Eddie has a lot of deep things to say,
1: and you're going to enjoy everything about this episode, mainly because Eddie's awesome, but overall, he's just a great guy. So he grew up in LA as an amateur boxer and almost became a signed musician with a record deal. Plus at this point in his life, he's been married for 10 years, has children. So Man, I'm, I loved talking to him, and I feel as though you're going to love listening to him. You're going to enjoy every part about his sense of humor, the secret that helped him stop drinking, and he'll show you what a difficulty looks like and how to get through it. So enjoy the episode, and overall, guys, I think you're a phenomenal person. I'm so glad you're listening to this. I'm going to say right now, you're doing a 10 out of 10 life right now. Just accept that and work with that in your mind. Just, okay, things are tough, things are not tough. You're trying your best, that's all that matters. Keep up the good work and enjoy the episode.
0: I grew up in Hollywood, California. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a two bedroom apartment. You know, I think it was maybe 800 square feet or less. And it's not that we were poor or anything, it's just, that's just kind of how it was if you wanted to live in like Hollywood or something and you didn't have like buku bucks for a house. Mm-hmm. You were living in an apartment at that time when they moved there in 1984, years before I was born, mm-hmm. where the apartment was $450 a month.
1: Oh, what? so Yeah, yeah right in the heart of Hollywood. Now. Wow. Yeah,
0: so now we kind of did that. But then over the years, it just got comfortable living there and in inflation. And I think it just was rising at such a rate that. You know, that's kind of where I I grew up. That's where I moved out of for the first time. You know, in a funny way, I used to box, I used to be doing competitive boxing and sports. And, but I always had a very light heart. Like I was always into, interested in communication. And although being in close quarters, you'll be confrontational when it comes to your own personal space. Mm -hmm. I handled things differently. And I guess I just had a different, more artistic viewpoint on things. So, yeah. If that answers the question, yeah. No,
1: it, it totally does. And I'm curious with that because you're saying an artistic viewpoint. And when I think of artistic things, I'm thinking of art or music. I'm going to guess that you have a special way that you're using it.
0: Funny thing is, is my dad very, very heavy into boxing and, hmm. you know, not having a girl all those years, he finally wanted to make sure, you know, I did boxing and I was a, an amateur boxer from seven years old to 14 years old. What? Um, at 10 years old, I won the national silver gloves championship. That's oh basically, God. you know, what the golden gloves are is when you're 18 or older and you're right below pro level and you're boxing. And that's a big deal. That's like, those are non-pros doing that mm-hmm. is like your championship title. Well, for silver gloves, it's 17 and younger for the kids. Mm-hmm. And I was five, five, 150 pounds. And I worked out three to five days a week. and wow. I went through all these tournaments and I found wound up in Kansas state and uh, for this tournament won it. And so anyways, my point is, is my dad was really into that stuff. But as far as arts concerned, I liked drawing a lot. I did that Hmm. so much. And it kind of came to a point when I was around 14. Why I said the boxing thing, by the way, is just because that's what I was focused on. But around 13, I decided I wanted to get into the arts. I just didn't know what to do. So Uh... I started drawing. I drew, I drew, and I was like, okay, this is fun, but I don't know. Then I started doing high school plays, and I could sing, so I joined choir, and I was singing in the choir, and I went promoted to the Magicals, which is basically a higher top people that in the choir, I guess you could say, and they meet, and they work even harder, and like, practice harder songs. I did that. And then I was in, you know, musicals. I was in Little Shop of Horrors in high school. I played uh Seymour of all people, you know, like a scrawny little dude. I'm like a, a big black dude to so the scrawny <laughs> role. I thought I was I was going for uh Audrey too, the plant, you know, because uh, I could do the voice and have the attitude. Yeah. But I think I had the range. So they gave me the part. Later on, I, even acting, I even actually going out for auditions when I was younger, <laughs> uh, serial commercials and I, I about landed a role. And then I just backed out because, then I don't know, I was too scared, but I went to an audition with like 400 kids and I got a call back. Oh my like, God. Hey, we want you to blind. I, I backed off, dude. It was weird, but whatever. Doing all that art. And then finally, it, it kind of hit me around 15 and a half. My friends came back from summer school. And like when I was like in 10th grade and they were, all had been playing guitar all summer and they're playing all these cool songs. And I was like, what the hell? What the fuck? I want to do that. You yeah. know? I grabbed the guitar. I begged my dad for a guitar. He got me a guitar. Uh He actually got me a guitar. The the brand was Honor, which is actually a harmonica brand. I practiced on that thing. Started off with 10 minutes a day Uh or three days or a week. And then I got up to 20 minutes a day. And it got to a point where I was practicing three hours, four hours a day. Oh, my God. And I started a band. I started getting better. And whoa. I played music for years up, up through my, into my early twenties and huh. mid twenties, you know? So yeah, music was my thing because I kind of realized with the combination of instruments, scales and notes, mm-hmm. but the most important thing and the most important realization I had about it was music is one of the very few art forms that comes to you. And what I mean by that is you could be sitting in a, you say this room, music will be coming from a car. It comes to you. You don't have to see it; you hear it. Oh. It travels. It's like goes through walls. It goes through Whoa. things, and it's like the art form. The mm-hmm. wavelength, in that sense, goes travels, and I think that's really interesting.
1: I like that. Where I'm curious too. Where did you place your guitar?
0: Oh, uh, you know, just leaning up against the wall. Uh, I got. I played it so much. I would sleep with the guitar. You know, really? I'd fall asleep with it. Yeah, I'd fall asleep with it, man. And then finally, I got you know a guitar stand. And then that took up a little floor space. So I got one of these guitar hangers you put up on the wall. And I I love that. And I still love guitar and I still have my guitars. And, Uh, you know, it's great.
1: How was going back to California a bit more? How was that growing up over there in Hollywood at that time? Because I'm sure things are probably different now in comparison to before.
0: That's a very good question. I, I look back on it and it's pretty, it was, it was amazing in my eyes. Now that I look back on it, because you're in Hollywood, mm-hmm. everyone in the world is trying to get to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. What they don't know is that all the movies and the productions made behind the Hollywood Hills in Burbank.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> funny enough, but yeah, yeah,
0: I grew up, you know, you'd see, you'd see crazy bombs. You'd see tourists, you'd see, the people on the street wearing all the costumes for tips you see you know drag queens you'd see everything and i at the time it was so normal to me like when i was 10 or 11 i was walking down oh, hollywood boulevard yeah you know and i was like i would see a crazy fucking bum and it's just like it didn't bother me I just like <laughs> you know, some some guys are, are you know there's either bums or homeless or whatever. Yeah. Or there's some guys having a hard time, or there's some guys that are deciding, Fuck it, this is what I'm doing. Wow. And they make a quote unquote career out of it. They make money off of it. Some guys out there make more money than guys working nine to fives. <laughs> huh? You know, being because homeless. they're charismatic. Yeah, homeless people are. And I think it's amazing the home uh, the homeless culture now that with with COVID you yeah. know happening was is really rough. But okay. then it was like you had to be kind of good at being homeless <laughs> if that makes sense. Like you can't suck at it. You have to be willing to make people huh. laugh talk to people there's guys out would see they're professionals they would, be, they would sing these romance songs old black dude skinny like and you see a love, and they'd be going and they wouldn't <laughs> leave you alone until you gave them something and it was like not <laughs> shitty it was just like god this guy's kind of like put me on the spot everyone in hollywood's looking at me then <laughs> your hair dude take a dollar and he's like oh and he stopped singing immediately and walk away like dude so i got to experience Huh. A lot of that I got to experience a lot of people coming in from all over, living in my apartment building that were aspiring actors, models. I grew up fast, but mm. with a keen eye, with a, with a way of like, also Hollywood was very eclectic when it came to ethnicity, you know. I was friends with Armenian kids, Indian kids Armenian, uh, my best huh. Armenian is uh, culture, a culture, a race or uh, ethnicity from Armenia. Oh okay. yeah. You know, uh, System of a Down. Yeah, yep. They're Armenian.
1: Oh, okay, I didn't
0: know that. And there's a very popular Armenian culture, like a large Armenian culture in Hollywood. My best friends growing up in elementary school was uh, a kid named JR and then a kid named Jake. JR, black kid, blacker than my dad. You know, mm-hmm. black, perfect, great kid. Mm-hmm. Jake, pale, white, blue eyes, red, curly hair. Huh. And then my other friend, William, blue eyes, blonde hair. It was like, my friends were, it didn't matter what you look like. That's <laughs> a good thing about Hollywood. It's like, it's such a good mix. You're not feeling mm. this. Everyone's there and you're just like, you're a person. You're not. Mm. Oh, look at that black and white. No, nah, it's like, you are you. So I think that's what I really gained about. There's no consideration on like, Oh, well I don't want to talk to no. It was like such a good mix. Some other, mm. what do they call that? A, sm- a smelting pot, A melting pot. Yeah. yeah
1: smelting pot of different cultures
0: it was great so i could say i really enjoyed being in hollywood because they so it's so interesting um mm-hmm. also there's this place called the bourgeois pig
1: uh-huh.
0: um it's a coffee shop that's open till 2 am at franklin i grew up in franklin village i okay people might know this place because it's like the last street before the hollywood hills
1: uh-huh.
0: um and you know all the it's little celebrities be paparazzi out there there'd be actors actresses they did little dive bars in there they would hide away in there and enjoy themselves with their friends without being at the hollywood bars on hollywood boulevard Ah. so there's this place called the bourgeois pig and i used to sit there between the ages of 15 and 18 and just play until two in the morning like hollywood was like that there's people outside there's things happening you know and so anyways i have a lot to say about it but i i I love i love growing up in hollywood
1: That's cool. That's cool. I can only imagine some of the things that you got to come across. You know, you're around all these different groups of people and you're out till like two in the morning. And it's just, there's, as I've heard, there's always something going on. There's never a day where it's not.
0: Yeah. Speaking of food, you know, I'm I'm out here in, in Florida, you know, and like things yeah. do close at 10. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm still like, <laughs> well, what the fuck? Are you, on? you know, wait, I can't just go to the grocery store. It's not 24 hours. You know, one thing about it is if I, as I got older and I was in my teens, if I got hungry, I knew the exact change. It was like $5.95. And I would walk down cool. across the 101 freeway. There's a bridge right over the 101 freeway. Tommy's, Tommy Burger. It's like these disgustingly filled chili fucking burgers <laughs> you know like chili like they go psycho with the chili mm-hmm. and that was open 24 hours huh. as i got older you know maybe i was hanging out with my friends late doing something at three in the morning hey let's go to tommy's it's open like okay everything stayed open then yeah so i understand where you're coming from too it's like a polar opposite of how i grew up for sure
1: huh it's wild
0: i guess my main thing is growing up in hollywood you deal with a lot of Unfortunately, a lot of fake people, a lot of people that are interested, pretend they're interested in you. I was curious. And about they really that. want to benefit themselves.
1: Sweet. So I know that the music thing earlier, you had a full band going and you guys almost got signed. And what was the name of your band?
0: So the name of my band was Sky Diamond City. And the reason why we had that name is one of my old bandmates' dad's came, actually came up with it. He was looking at us. Why don't you call, call your guys? you know sky the sky diamonds and sky diamonds i was like what i was Why? he's like well sky diamonds a star and then it just clicked oh i'm from hollywood um, sky diamond city oh city of stars that's hollywood and it just was like let's go with it sky diamond city and uh you could still listen to them on spotify it was hardcore music screaming you know heavy a lot of fun <laughs> a lot of fun. i was into metal music at that time really heavy stuff
1: did you guys get to do a few concerts too
0: Long story short, we started in Burbank in my friend's garage. We kept playing shows, playing shows, paying to play, playing, paying to play. And then finally, we started getting a little following. And the first time we were, we went to this uh, venue called the, I think it's the CIA in North Hollywood. It was a great punk venue. And it had a bunch of, it literally had a mummified clown, like a dead mummified, like a professional clown. I promise, dude. The CIA, look (laughs) it up. It's very cool. That was the first show we played after being a band for like two years where enough people showed up that they paid us. It was fucking weird. We got 150 bucks, And we played some contests and we ended up opening up for Bullets and Octane, Escape the Fate, and Story of the Year. And we played in front of, I don't know, three, four. There's like 3,000 people when we were on. Played in front of them. We played the showcase in Las Vegas at the Golden Nugget, I think before it got demolish or if it's still there i don't know and uh yeah. we got an offer from atlantic records huh. we didn't take it though and i think it's stupid it's like a double-edged sword yeah, yeah. it's because it was a 360 deal meaning they own everything everything you write you have to produce an album it's all theirs royalties anything you get a small percent they don't even give you anything they just say here's a loan you're going to go on tour or whatever you need to record a good album." Here's your $100,000 or $50,000, but we own everything. If you make a hit and it goes crazy, that's us. That's not you. We will decide if we want to pay. Uh, My singer didn't want to do that. And I really did. Now that I look at it, I'm like, I should have just done it. Like who gives a shit? You can always make more, more music. Like you can't hang up. Like I made that hit song. Like we were nobody. We should have signed it and used that to launch us into other things. As a promotional
1: thing. Uh Yeah.
0: We get a 360 deal. We get screwed. Didn't know that. Well, if you do something great and someone really loves you, they can buy you out. That's basically what they wanted. They were like, it's an investment. Like, Oh, if someone buys them out, we make money. Mm -hmm. If they make a song and it's hit, we make money. They sell a shirt. We make money, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was basically saying, Hey, we're making an investment in you, but we don't trust you because we don't know your statistics your results. We don't, I don't know. It's taking a risk. Mm -hmm. We were stupid not to sign it, but also smart not to sign it right around that time. It's probably when everything slowly started going downhill because we were gained a bunch of momentum over for years to do that. That's yeah. what you, that's what you dream about. And then we just didn't do it. Well, we're going to wait for a better. deal. like ego got in the way. Like don't bite the hand that feeds. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of what the deal was,
1: mm-hmm.
0: this is still Atlantic records. <laughs> not, like it could have been a, a smaller label. Yeah, it's Atlantic Records, you know, the people that signed Ray Charles. So I'm glad I did it. But I also have that little bit of like, damn, what if I did it, you know?
1: So what and the double edged sword part of it? What do you what did you feel good about, about coming from it long term? Do you think like, were there certain avenues that you chose that might have been more beneficial for you based off of not signing?
0: Yeah, you know what the double-edged sword was? Group-wise, with my band, the double-edged sword was, we're not getting screwed into a legal situation. We're not mm. going into debt. Mm-hmm. We don't have any money. Personal double-edged sword was, yeah, you would have that clout. But I at that time, you know, being in a band, I ended up, I was drinking like six nights a week.
1: Because you're also going out and playing.
0: Yeah. Okay. That was just a part of the whole way you were. And there are people that are straight edge and stuff, but that's not what it was. like you had to network. you had to be funny. you had to people had to like you. you had to write good music. you had to be cool. I, I had a rule I didn't drink when I played because I didn't feel like myself and I didn't drink during or before practice because I need to know what I'm doing. Right after though, we'd find the party and go drink. It was six nights a week. I gave myself Sunday night to recover and I did this for probably straight a year. and at that time I was sleeping on my sister's couch. For three years, no job, nothing, steal food from their fridge, like their leftovers, (laughs) even though they're my sisters that got old, but I was doing this band, but I was drinking all the time and I was kind of in a different universe. I did that for like three years. And the blessing in disguise was we didn't sign that thing. I didn't continue that lifestyle Mm. right around that time. I had to reach deep. Well, what do I really want to do with my life? And the one thing I always liked doing was communicating and helping people. So I decided to join up with this organization is a drug rehabilitation center. And I had applied for this job randomly. Mm -hmm. Oh, whatever. I'll apply. I don't want to, I don't want a job. I applied for this job and I got this call. Like my sister woke me up at like one in the afternoon. Like, what are you waking me up for? (laughs)
1: It's one in the afternoon. It's
0: one in the afternoon. What the (laughs) fuck are you doing? You know? what and she's like hey some guy's calling you for this job like, oh what i was like what the fuck's calling me I mean, hello it's basically you night receptionist i was like oh what's the schedule he's like yeah schedule's going to be from like 11 to like 7 in the morning the no-brainer i can sleep in go to band practice <laughs> go to work. This is great. Yeah. So I scored the job. So I basically would sit there at night. People would call in going through a crisis, going through really bad drug problem. I would talk them through it, talk to them, take down all their information and then pass that off to the people that would sign them up for the rehabilitation program. It ended up not really working out well because when you have them on the phone and you have somebody who's really reaching for help, and you end that by hanging up, even, even if you do it in the smoothest way, you don't really know what's going on with that person. You, you basically lose them. Mm. Funny thing is I started working for the state. So that ended. And I was like, okay. oh, crap, I'm out of a job. This is fucked up. And then they were like, hey, you know what, though? You could work in the office during the day. But the only catch is it's from seven in the morning until seven at night, six days a week, all hour shifts. But that was my alcohol schedule. Wait a second. I drink six, night, six nights a week. Okay. What do you okay. mean? I can't, how do, I was conflicted. I was like, you know what? Let me do it. I ended wow. up making $505 after taxes for a 21-year-old kid. Huh. That was great. My rent was like $400 and my phone bill was $40. <laughs> Long story short is once I flipped it around and started getting productive and working for them, that's when I stopped the alcohol abuse and that's when I started waking up i got productive and i got happy hey
1: everyone i hope you are enjoying this episode so far one thing that i want to point out if you enjoy habits and how that reflects with this conversation pay attention to eddie's lifestyle and the groups that he was around because if you notice when he's drinking he's hanging out with a certain group and when he stops drinking he's hanging out with a different group and that plays huge 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 Into habits. The second thing I'm going to bring up is if you are enjoying the song that you're listening to right now in the background, that is Kira James. K I R A J A M E S. You can go find her on YouTube. Phenomenal musician. Go look her up, listen to some more of her songs. Great person. And she has a future episode on here, Kira James. Enjoy this music, enjoy the episode, and once again, keep doing what you're doing, and have a good day. I
0: didn't know I was unhappy until I realized I was actually happy. All that fakeness stuff it just fell off.
1: Interesting because you're going from a state of drinking every night and to not drinking any day of the week after that certain point.
0: Yeah, you know, I tried it and I felt a little uh weird. I was the only one that had never done the program, so I kind of felt a little awkward when I get my paycheck and I'm done work it's for Saturday night at 7. And was, hey, let's go to the bar, you know it's like
1: I'll do that and it
0: was like kind of fun, but I realized how unproductive and uh, how broke I was after the bar and eating. I was like, oh. why am I blowing for my money So I got off of it and I just basically was, yeah I work I don't know how many hours that is, but I was doing twelve hour days for six days a week
1: Wow did you yeah. feel did you feel like they almost had sort of an in like an invisible influence on some of your decision making where they're not, they're choosing not to drink. And then you're also choosing not to drink
0: 100%. Oh, wow. And it wasn't even forced. Mm. I'm looking at this guy. He's like amazing at talking to these people about this program and getting them to sign up. And I'm like, this guy used to be like, you tell his story. He's like a crackhead, like everything, every heroin, like didn't matter. Whoa. And I was like, wow, you look at him now. He's like an amazing person. You're like, kind of start comparing, like, the first actual reason was I don't have time for this shit. I got huh? off at seven. I don't have a car. I'm taking the bus home. I get home at eight 30. Okay. I, don't, I can't go. What am I going to do? I have to wake up for work tomorrow at seven. I have to get on the bus at five 30. I see. So okay. that was the first barrier. The second barrier was I feel much cooler and much happier. And like myself, I uh, feel like that young artist kid. I used to be <laughs> as an adult, as young adult. Huh. So yeah. Yes.
1: Oh, very cool. So I'm curious for you, for your transition too, when being that art kid and then going into the music, do you feel like you were happy before? And then when you got into the music, thought you were being happy and you were good with that until you kind of came out of it again, where you're like, I wasn't really happy doing that. I was just thinking I was happy doing that. Or what what would you say?
0: So there's a missing piece of info. Uh Uh-huh. I was a 13-year-old happy kid just doing art. That was one thing. It was when I got into music at 15, Uh it was the external influence of a a friend, Uh a friend of mine that I had started a band with, tried alcohol for the first time. I realized I wanted to be cool and Mm -hmm. I thought it was cool to be bad. I, I guess you can say I let go of my moral code that I thought that I loved or I agreed with. And I adopted another moral code oh. and slowly, but surely between 15 and 18 is when it went down, kept going down. And then it went at a rapid rate down from okay. 18 to 20.
1: Okay.
0: So yeah, there was a transition. It's, it's just alcohol, no drugs. I mean, I did a little bit of drugs, but nothing like the alcohol, like maybe weed three times, you know, okay. but nothing crazy. It was alcohol mm-hmm. being in Hollywood. Unfortunately, you have all these brilliant artists. But scattered throughout them are people that are like vampires. They they will pretend to be your friend and want to help you when all they're seeking is their own benefit. And there's different gradients. It's not just black and white. There's gray areas of this type of personalities, right? It can be very light and not even know they're doing it. There's going to be guys that are fully trying to. I guess you could say I had a little bit of that influence on me at 15, throughout 15 to 20, where I was too busy to hang out with people. Oh. AKA not around people that are wanting to suck the life out of you.
1: Wow. Yeah. You're, you're suddenly in this group of people who want to help other people and it's no longer people trying to suck energy out of you, but give you energy to help other people who also have energy. Cause you're, you're trying to fix and solve people's problems and stuff like that.
0: You got it. Exactly. So, yeah.
1: so tell me more like what, ha- so you get involved with this program. Your life is going in a good direction. You're getting off of alcohol and now you're helping people. You're not doing a graveyard shift anymore. What happens for you next?
0: Where it actually went, funny enough, was somebody I knew uh, reached out to me, a friend of mine. I was working at this place. They reached out and they said, hey, we, we want you to work here. We want you to be here. I'm like, well, what do you do? We help people to get help. Wow, that's a profound thing to say, but <laughs> I think that's great. But what what is it? Ended up joining up, volunteered, and it was a blast. I went from this program helping people to Uh helping people with, if you have any doubts, fears, insecurities, you name it. This is what it takes care of. This is what it handles by very exact form of therapy. I went wild in a good way. I went the opposite direction. I went up because I realized my basic purpose was to help people to get help as well and Uh This was the way that worked best for me. And it was actually, you were with a group of people, like-minded people that had similar views between 21 and 30, 31, 32. Yeah. Yeah. I did this. I had my moments of ups and downs and stuff, Uh but generally speaking, I was able to get information about the mind that I never thought I could have use that technology and help others with that. And what it did was increase my certainty as a person so much that I knew I was never going to get any worse, probably by 25. You know what? There's no going backwards anymore. And Ah. it's not just like a discipline thing alone. It's a decision. It's a way of life. On and off, you know, I had jobs. I did things. I played music, but I (laughs) always made sure to put people first because if I had had that guidance early on in life before being an alcoholic, I would have wound up a situation or a a goal that I really wanted to attain sooner. So I decided to just dedicate my time and my life, majority of it to making sure people could know about life and increase their survival. So funny enough, at that time when I was wild, I I didn't know I was going to have kids or wife or what the (laughs) hell am I doing? Mainly helping people all day, Uh you know, and I loved it. Now, you know, I have three kids. I'm happily married since 2016. You know, I'm very happy and not on some bullshit. I'm happy because I know people can change for the better. Huh. And it's not just all sunshine and rainbows. Life sucks sometimes. <laughs> I've been through so much tough shit. Uh-huh. But I look back at it now and it's just like almost like a memory. It's an experience. Uh-huh. But I'm telling you. People that actually weren't vampires that actually cared about me. I was able to never fall so hard as I did before like drinking seven days a week, six days a week. I feel like I've added life force that I never thought I had, but I knew I had, but I didn't know where it was kind of thing back by not taking, but giving either by, by help, by communication, physically helping someone. Hey, you need help moving, being nice, saying something nice to someone when they're having a fucked up day, almost like karma. You know, you just, okay. now I'm sitting here. Wow. Good things happen to me when I want them to.
1: <laughs> it's cool to hear you say that. Cause I did another interview with someone on an earlier episode and he was saying very similar things about when you're pushing energy out, like you get that energy to come back to you. And I just think that's the most interesting thing because it's talked about in various ways in quite a few different areas. You know, it's not just one person saying it. It says it here, it says it there. This person is talking about, that person is talking about. it. So pretty spot on everything you're talking about with it.
0: Let's be honest, man. Truth is truth. Mm. It works. It's factual. So yeah, when you put out more than you take, you get back in bountiful amount of energy. You get back so much. and give positive vibes to uh-huh. people you don't know what the fuck they've been through you don't know what there's going on in their life really. yeah don't act like you know mm-hmm. ask how's your day <laughs> oh it's good you get the social response okay good how's your day really and then <laughs> you get all the boom, boom, like oh blah, blah, my landlord oh. and it's amazing and all you have to do is listen and and give a shit and care. Uh And uh, you'll be amazed at what change can happen to someone when you listen, which kind of brings me back to the book I was talking about. That's essentially what you're doing. You actually have information and a roadmap of the mind and you listen and you help people through past experiences that are ruining their life or messing them up and they don't even know it basic, you know, from that at a young age, reading that I've been able to just apply that. I, I've never looked back. I'm, my life isn't perfect. You know, there's things I want and want to have. Okay. But I'm happy deep down. I'm happy. That's what I'm looking for.
1: you feel like you've already said some of the hardest things that you've been through?
0: A no, good question. Let me take a look here. Because, you know, it's funny you ask that question. Have I gone through the hard things in life? Have I said them all? When you look back at them now, they're, like I said, experiences and memories. And what I felt then is very different than what I feel now. So bad breakups, breaking up with someone and then regretting it and feeling the pain of you ending that relationship.
1: Wow.
0: Losing a friend, meaning by way of death and by way of them moving on with their life. My mom passed in 2019, not losing my mom, but watching her go through the pain for two years before she passed away. That was hard. But the interesting thing about that I can touch on is my mom basically became unable to walk, you know, stroke complications, diabetes, all kinds of stuff. And she wasn't really able to walk. I shed a lot of tears and I had a lot of upset and heartache, pain. While she was in her bed at home, but interesting, when she decided to and I say decided to because I know she decided she was kind of over it. yeah, and she decided to pass away and leave her body move on, there were no tears. Huh. There was a little bit of but there were no tears. All the tears had been cried. It was relief because she was free from the the burden and the trap of the body. basically kept her in the bed and kept her not happy for many years. That was an interesting experience. The weird thing about it is when you have someone close to you pass away or a parent pass away, there are things you will not realize about that person and about yourself until they have passed. You almost get a flow of all the good things they did, all the the, the stupid things you did, all the things you regret, all the great times. And it just all kind of hits you at once. Oh, I've been through some good, good old fashioned marital stuff too. And we're now my wife and I are stronger than ever. You're talking about, oh, yeah, we're on the rocks. <laughs> you say people are on the rocks. <laughs> we're stronger than ever. Best friends. Oh, I've been through random, lots of random shit, man.
1: And, and, uh, and on the flip side, too, I am curious, like, what do you think some of your highest highs have been?
0: That's a very good question. Most recent thing was seeing my children born, particularly my first daughter. Something clicks. I don't know what happens, but there's a, a spiritual connection you make through the uncertainty of you know your wife going through a pregnancy and she's laying there and there's doctors and through all that noise and all your insecurities or doubts or reservations when your child comes into the world it is a deep love i never even knew it was possible to feel some connection on that level so that's probably a very high high and what happened there was wow i am responsible for this person and their life choices without beating myself up and trying to control them because that's probably a very bad thing to do, especially to a young person. Uh That was a spiritual moment. One thing I want to point out, although I went through, you know, darker times in my life, luckily for me, there have been higher highs than darker times. Okay, good. I'm no longer currently struggling with that part of my life. There might be things in the future. There possibly will be most likely, but I'm ready for them. High highs for me are different. Like I consider a high highs when somebody calls you up and you're like, hey man, you said something to me once and it blah, blah, blah. Now I'm blah. And I just want to thank you. I could bring, bring you know, tears to me. i like, wow, huh. that's a high high for me because there's nothing more precious to me than knowing you helped someone change your life For their own happiness, Mm -hmm. that makes me happy too. Yeah, having kids and getting married—you know—that was a very high high. And what's even a higher high than getting married is going (laughs) through the bullshit and still being with you, get together happily. Sometimes I kind of marvel at that a little. Remember that time when blah 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 blah? That was like we were done. Well, we're sitting here laughing about it over dinner. Like, yeah, I remember that time. Whoa, what crazy times. Yeah, you know what was really going on is I had this problem. We had this bill. We had and we were tanking it out on each other. Yeah, I remember. So glad that's not happening anymore. He's like, yeah, love you, baby.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Sp- talking about your marriage and the marveling at these things that were difficult that you got through. Like, what would you say some of the most important things are with a relationship and going through difficult times? Is it the communication? Is it setting up the right expectations? What, like, what do you say? Because you've been through through this for years, and you've you're, you've gotten married, and you have this. It sounds like very strong relationship that I'm hearing.
0: Sure. The most important thing in a marriage and a relationship is communication. Specifically, your willingness to communicate about communicate about anything on any subject. Mm. Something you feel bad about. Something you regret. Something you know you shouldn't have talked about. Something you feel will jeopardize your reputation. Along with deep thoughts, feelings, emotions. Emotions at the time of the situation. Emotions about something that happened. Good and bad. Communicate. In fact, I'm not even telling you just from my own experience. I actually asked my mom before she passed. When I got married, she passed in 2019. I got married in 2016. So I asked her before I got married. I said, mom, dad, you guys been married 38 years, 40 years. What is the one piece of advice you can give me for me getting married? And my mom, without any lag, talk about everything, communicate. Whether you want to talk about it or not, just talk about it. Just bring it up. Good things, bad things. Just don't sit on anything. Just communicate. That's the hardest thing to do because when you first get with someone, there's a lot of social this about it. And then, you know, after a little bit, it could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a years. You start to see the real person, AKA everyone has shitty sides. You you <laughs> both start to see each other's <laughs> shitty side. Boy, you know, you start, you ever, you start looking uglier. You start looking uglier. You start, because you're, wear, <laughs> you're, you're wearing your stresses. Wow, You're wearing them. They feel like you're the way you done. Well, that's all a result of not actually being in true communication. Mm. That's all directly stems from not actually voicing what's going on in your little head. Once you grow some balls and (laughs) you don't worry about your reputation or the effect you're going to cause, but you keep in mind the person's personal feelings and beliefs, Mm. you'll be right as rain. You have an upset upsets before when I was a couple years into my marriage or relationship, man, we wouldn't talk to each other for fucking two days. And it was like draining. Like you had to actively avoid someone's communication. But now arguments, you know, stuff happens nothing's all sunshine and rainbows. That's another thing. If you're not married, it ain't sunshine and rainbows, dude. It is real life, but you have someone there to deal with the shit of life with you. That's the best part. Okay. You're not alone in your struggles. It makes it a little easier when you can come <laughs> home to some comfort, talk and bitch and, ah, and then laugh <laughs> about something. And you have someone, oh, you put your arm in the back. Oh, there's someone there. I'm not alone. That's wow. a great feeling. Uh-huh. But what I was saying is, it's not worth holding back communication and, oh, what do they think about me? Oh, I did something bad. Oh, if the person's cool yeah. and understanding enough or gets you enough, man. You're going to save your relationship that way by talking about it. So, Anyway, communication is probably the most important thing about being married and being connected close with people. I see. (laughs) I just remembered what my train of thought was. Oh yeah, go for it. (laughs) Arguments used to be days long. Wow. Now we have some maybe argument about something stupid. We can squash it in 30 seconds. Huh? And we do. We'll find ourselves laughing about it in like a minute. That's it uh, now. I mean, we've been together almost 10 years. We're, we're on our ninth year, man.
1: Wow. Congratulations on that.
0: Thank you. 25 when I got with her.
1: Would you say things were harder then than they are now? Yes. It was harder to begin with. Things are easier now. There's 30 second arguments versus two hour, two day arguments.
0: Yeah. I mean, in the very beginning, you know, we both were trying to impress each other in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I know that sounds silly, but you have like, oh, everyone's polite. Everyone's nice. Oh, don't worry about it. And then you, you know, like I said, you get to see the real side of people, and then that had a whole phase. I don't know if uh, you you followed zodiac signs or anything, but we're both Tauruses, Uh which means we're both stubborn, stubborn as shit. (laughs) Two bulls. We're bulls. We just (sighs) now we're now we're hanging out. We're like chilling in the pasture, like pasture, like eating grass just hanging out but before it was like you're in my territory no you're in my territory (laughs) this is the way i was raised well you know so yeah it was much harder because there's so much more of an act in a way to put on now that we're nearly a decade together have kids you know say blah 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 we're eating this i'm going to bed it's none of this like it used to be like she would want to go to bed she's tired come to bed with me i don't really want to and this whole back and forth upset why didn't you come to bed with me now it's like hey baby i'm going to bed all right baby love you because we know each other so well it's like, hey, you know i'm a night owl i'm gonna be up to blah you like to go to bed at blah hey no problem agreement you know we have an agreement
1: after a while you start to get to know the person you're like oh this person does this this person Does this. This is how this person operates. This is how this person thinks about different stuff. And in a way, you kind of start understanding them well enough. So there's no longer this bullfight, but more, okay, that's just what they do. This is what I'm going to do. Is it almost on the flip side of things where you stop expecting them to go with two bed at the same time with you or have these expected agreements that you're quote unquote supposed to follow or something like that?
0: Great question. I actually have a really good answer for you that I just realized. For many years, I was trying to in my own way, changed my wife to be the wife I had mocked up in my mind. Uh And she kind of had high expectations of the way she thought a husband should be.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: I had a big major change in 2020 when I got some spiritual counseling, I had a major change and that change was, Oh my God, there's nothing I'm going to do. To change this person that I love, know, and I'm married to, uh-huh. it's actually just my own thoughts and viewpoints that are making it hard for me. Whoa. It's actually my outlook and my attitude towards her that's making me get solid. Maybe if I improved myself, or changed my viewpoint, or decided to just let her be the way oh. she is, yeah, I might be a little happier. No way! Fuck, man. Lo and behold, the second <laughs> I was like. promise i promise like the second i realized that was the second that we really started finding true happiness after nearly seven years whoa i'll tell you it's been a dream ever since then late 2019 early 2020 it's been a dream and uh she lets me be Uh, i have my own little space and there's no like we have to write out our agreements it's just all the time together all kind of clicks and the understanding is like oh no I understand this, but like, I get them. And then you learn something about this person Uh all the time. You're always learning about them. You don't know them. Hell, I don't even know myself half the time. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm still learning. I'm not a thousand years old and I've been around. That's the major key is it ain't about what you, your expectations, what you think that person should be doing. It all, it turns around and it goes, oh, let me change the binoculars. Get the ones that work. Oh, now everything's in focus. Oh, I changed something in my situation that affected the outlook of what is that I see. Yeah, that's my advice. When If you're having a hard time in relationships or life, it's usually going to boil down to the way you are doing things, handling things, understanding things, Uh operating, and that's a hard pill to swallow. One of the hardest pills to swallow is it kind of falls back on you and you need to own it and understand that and really see that you can do something about it.
1: Kind of like that viewpoint of you have one finger pointed at the other person, but three pointing back at you.
0: Yeah, you got it. Just point that finger at yourself, you'll be on a better path than blaming other people.
1: You have to look within yourself to say, why is this problem occurring? Like, what am I doing to cause the problem? And I think that's kind of that difficulty you're expressing here.
0: You got it. Don't introspect on it too much to the point where you're like, I'm a piece of shit. Oh (laughs) You're going to feel that way maybe, but really look at where it went wrong, where the communication broke and go right before that and then repair it. You can always communicate. Communication is the universal solvent. It dissolves things. Uh, Figure out where the communication between you and that person snapped.
1: Okay. Where was
0: the disagreement? And just talk about it again and okay. rekindle that and you'll be okay.
1: I feel like that was some of the best advice I've heard in a long time. <laughs>
0: I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. There is one more question I want to ask you about. Do you feel like people can be happy also being single?
0: 100%.
1: Getting into a relationship with someone, it's almost expect something that you're supposed to also do it too. This is just my viewpoint. If they're wanting to get in a relationship, is there a reason they should be wanting to get into that relationship? Is there a certain kind of like thought processes they should having?
0: They're a good question. I could just base this off of my experience. Yeah. Um, when you're single and you're doing, and you're happy, you know, you kind of get in the groove of things. You kind of, okay, I wake up at this time. I make this food. I meal prep, go to the gym or ride a bike or do these extracurricular activities outside of work. And you have your own little groups that you reach out. Maybe you'll hang out with some people and that can be fun. And it's nice. And you have a, you have a certain sense of freedom or wrong word, freedom, control where you're at the helm majority of the time. Uh So it's kind of feels good. It feels like freedom. It feels like, oh, well, I could just go here or like, I can go home. I can go to sleep. I can.
1: Yeah. How do you, how can someone tell when they're either reaching or wanting a relationship? And is it something that like they have to do?
0: You know what that is? And my answer is, you're excited about it. You're interested, you know? How does one know they're like ready? They're excited about someone else Mm -hmm. or they're interested in being around that person. You know, that feeling you get where you want to be around that one girl or if you're a girl, that guy, Uh and you're like, God, like the person's on your mind more than anything else. (laughs) That feeling is, that is the beautiful, precious feeling. That everyone chases when they are excited to be in a relationship. Even more than the sexual drive or whatever, or like the feeling lonely, handling that. No, like the thing that is the best. And that's how you know you're ready. You're excited about finding someone to talk to. You're excited uh, to have coffee at uh, 11 p.m. and stay up till 4 talking about deep thoughts. Huh. That shit is amazing. Cool. That deep interchanging is, is so... I don't know. It's great. So yeah, that's how you know you're ready for a relationship when you're single, is you, not necessarily the idea of being in love, but more like there is kind of someone, or it's like a electricity, and you could feel it for someone. And I think that's how you 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 know you're onto something. You're a either ready to do that. B somebody's flung it back to you, so you're feeling it. Put the ideal person you want in your mind at that moment you're probably pulling someone just like that. You're pulling someone just like that or similar to that huh. as close as you can.
1: That's beautiful. If,
0: yeah, that's what, that's how you know. If you're not excited and you're kind of just a little bored and life's just kind of like, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then maybe there's something in your life that you can adjust huh. to make it less boring. Funny enough, little tip here, falling in love Per se, or like found that person that that person I could talk to all the time. I could be on the phone five hours with kind of person. Uh-huh. Right before that, I was very interested in everything else. And let me rephrase that like, I wasn't introverted. I was doing enough where I got a, a surge or a boost in vitality by being productive. And I had all my interest outward uh-huh. and not inward. That's around the time when girls or very cool people would feel that, that love in there or that electricity. And they're like, wow, that guy has got some madness. what's up? There's something special <laughs> about him. Well, the only thing I was doing was working hard, outflowing my interest into other things and people. And people were like, wow, he's in... He's like flowing with like he's so confident. (laughs) What are you talking about? I've been fat my whole life. Like how am I? You know what I mean? Like I've been fat and single. (laughs) Like I was the guy at the party drinking the beer, looking at the dudes, the girl and the guy making out, and like fuck, I wish I was him, man. You know, or like try. How do I get a girlfriend at the party? When I outflowed my communication and mainly put a lot more interest on others and other things. Yeah that's when I kind of created that effect on people and they I attracted people. And it wasn't in a selfish way. I didn't even know I was doing it. This is all retrospect. Like now that I look at it when I was 18, 19, what was I doing? It was that.
1: Ah, that's cool. Yeah,
0: I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. I just was being me.
1: You know what I love is that I'm going to be able to re-listen to this again and again because there have just been some amazing things that you've said and i'm just excited just to be able to really just gorge on the information where it's oh nail on the head i need to write that one down you know what i mean dude
0: that's i appreciate that <laughs> i'm excited to listen too because i'm, I'm kind of like doing this yeah, and i'm like yeah. wait what was i saying I <laughs> <laughs> oh it's gonna be awesome
1: yeah man this it's is so cool sick. that's cool yeah. Well, well, my friend, I, I'm really excited about this interview. As we just said, is there more you'd like to share? Is there a way that you'd like people to reach out to you? Or?
0: Reach out to me, hey, feel free. My name's Eddie, Eddie Frencher. I like streaming. I stream uh, little video games. Catch me on Twitch as Def Alexander. Reach me or Ian and we'll both help you. We love helping people. And that's yeah. it's kind of in our lifeblood. No matter what we're doing, we're helping people. <laughs> I like that. And thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. I'm actually really glad I did this with you. And it kind of almost reminded me of how much more life I had to live and I'm excited for. Wow. It kind of broke the circuit of the hamster wheel of life, go to work, wake up kids, weekend, watch the kids go to work. It made me like, oh, wow, like I have lived some life. I'm excited to live a little more. This is awesome. That's
1: sick, Thank you
0: so much. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Well, good. Thank you for having me on.
1: Yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, cheers.
0: Uh, <laughs> Bye. And I love you know what I really like uh, Ian a lot is that we started off with the the dark or the blah side and ended it with the successes. That's very smart of you. Very smart of you. Ah. Uh. I think if you start people off with the wins and then end with the hard times in life, it's like, well, thank you very much. That's going to be like, fuck
1: you. Like, not really. <laughs> that sucks.
0: <laughs> I feel like shit. shit, dude. I have a headache. No, but I really don't. No, um, starting off with that, I was like, whoa, this is getting, not dark, but like, oh, shit, man. I yeah. haven't looked at this. And then you're like, what are your successes? What are you? I was like, oh. Uh... Like,